Six-pack Labadat. And today I got my man Robbie Little, who is um, a mobility, my mobility man. Yeah. Uh, stretch therapist. And I'm, uh, I'm probably not a great uh, endorsement for that because I'm not very mobile. So, sorry, Robbie, this is like the shittiest endorsement for your... It used to be like the Tin Man slides an improvement. That's <laughs> right. Well, there you go. Right? It's all in perspective, sir. <laughs> it's all in perspective. Um, so how you been, sir? What do you what, what you been up to? Pretty good, thanks. Uh, yeah, just working lots, lifting Work, a little bit. Working lots, li- <laughs> yeah. lift, lifting little. Well, that's not yeah. good, sir. Um, you've been yeah, helping me with, I got a, I'm doing a car flip every day for 143 days straight. Kickoff is Canada Day. And it's, um, for those not familiar, Terry Fox. In 1980, he, w- he was diagnosed with cancer. He was like, he was 20 when he was diagnosed with cancer chemotherapy um it was bad lost majority of his one leg he had he had an artificial leg my friends artificial leg from 1980 not the new artificial legs that make you fucking run in the olympics and break world records an artificial leg that doesn't move oh yeah that was like he had to like hop pretty much on the he was hopping if you see video he was literally hopping okay so he said riddled with cancer going through chemo treatment i don't know if anybody's ever had a friend uh, go through chemo and fight cancer. Um, it fucking absolutely ravages. It's it's poison for your body. It's absolutely ravages you. These people can barely get out of bed at times. He decided I'm gonna run across Canada. He dipped his his uh, artificial leg in the Atlantic Ocean and started running. And he to make the pace, he ran just shy of a marathon every every single day, shy of a marathon, a marathon every day. He, and when he first started, nobody cared. No press, no nothing. 143 days in a row, and he makes it to Ontario, and he's greeted at cities. Now when he stops at a city, there's parades, there's announcements. He's met at the city by the mayor, and it's huge. And all over the world, they're like, have you heard about the guy with one leg? And there, there's a saying, it's sports fatigue makes um, cowards of us all. You could be super brave, strong, and let fatigue set in. And now, and now, now you talk to me. This to, shows the amount of bravery that he had right there. The internal, like the human will, it's weird, man. Like, I have no, I, if you had two legs, I, I can't for the life of me understand how 143 days straight you could do this. One leg and watch the video, it's awe-inspiring. To see him literally, he hops because he can't bend that leg even. He's hopping yeah. while cancer is eating his body. And any treatments he has can only slow him down. So there's tough decisions to be made. Mm-hmm. Hopping on one leg every single day, wake up and get at it for 143 days. And in the beginning, nobody even cared yeah. because they didn't think he's going to get very far. Leading yeah. into doing this, he's like, I want to see where I'm at. So he did a race, um, like a, it was like a half marathon race. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I just want to see where I'm at. Came in dead last. Huh. And started this, started this, um, this this run across like for a hundred like he want he wanted to go across Canada, and um, and it shows like it's not about like you know, like a stopwatch can't measure, you know and all those guys who probably beat him in that half marathon would never in their life have the oh. internal will to be able to do a marathon every day for 143 days straight on one leg while fighting cancer, yeah. you know it's, it's just crazy yeah. yeah it makes you it makes you it puts things in perspective or. That sport in and of itself isn't the true test of you. Yeah. You're bigger than just that sport. Your, your ranking in the ranks of that sport yeah. isn't your full story. That's not full yeah. you. 
all about the heart and the it's, courage. And it's not your true value. Yeah. Don't hang your hat on how you did in that competition. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something like anybody listening to this podcast can take from. That competition doesn't make or break you. You know, you could be a bigger, more inspiring figure than everybody in there, or, or they're all great, right? Whatever it is. Um, but so for myself, I wanted to raise money for, for charities, and um, I reached out to donate a car. Um, and they are basically, they're a charity where you donate your car and the proceeds, and they auction it off. It's a scrap car. And wherever, whatever charity you like, the money goes towards it. You pick the charity. So that's what I like because any old charity. Because I got a scrap car and I was like, I got to get rid of this. I don't know what the hell. It's not worth anything. What am I going to do with it? And then things like this started happening. I was like, maybe I just donated it off. And then I started thinking, and this was last year, and ter- their anniversary for Terry Fox was rolling around. He's Canadian in Canada. You, read, you hear about him in school and everything. So we all know about him. Worldwide, yeah. he's, he's still famous, but he's way bigger in Canada, obviously. Terry Fox walk all over. Terry Fox walk in the whole night. We hear about him in school and everything. So I was like, hey, shit. That's when the things started moving in my head. I've done things like tow planes, flip cars before. This is by far the most ambitious thing. I'm like, what if I flip a car every day for 143 days straight and just, um, like, I'm never <laughs> going to be Terry Fox. I am not a fraction of the man Terry Fox is. So please don't ever think that I think I am or anything like that. My bigger point is, and if you listen to podcasts, you already know, I love when people get inspired. And I love positive messaging. And um, if anybody watching the news, if you're a kid, I visited Cancer Camp for Kids, towed school buses, give motivational speeches. I do public speaking like that. And I think I'm far better at public speaking than I am in terms of strength sports. Like that's, you know, so that's really my thing. It's when you do stuff like this and you can inspire people, anybody who feels lost and you're battling something that's scary, flips on the news or reading it online is like, holy shit, there's a guy flipping a car 143 days straight every day. Why 143 days? And then you find out about Terry Fox. You didn't even know about Terry Fox. And then it starts telling you, well, what's, whatever the odds you're facing, you have faith because people defy the odds all the time. Now with nowadays in the technology and media and everything, hopefully you'll be able to reach a lot of people and people will face. Way easy. It's almost like, it's almost like like I never I don't I'm, I don't want this like doing this. So it's a kickoff. First off, is Canada Day, which is July first. The biggest city in Canada is Toronto, and it's Canada Day, and that's the I'm working with the city of Toronto to kick it off. The very first day I flip the car is going to be there at their event. Twenty thousand people live, uh, national news coverage. No pressure. I have a little anxiety, but uh, okay, if I'm true, if I'm real about it. But um, the biggest thing is, is um, yeah, it's not like I don't, I don't want anyone thinking that like 143 is I'm picking it because I want to be compared to Terry Fox. For God's sake, please don't do that. What it is is it helps. It's the reminder that people can do things that you, you wouldn't think. You know, people can upset the odds. People and anybody, because this is 1980, and a lot of people, different generations, you know, stories stop being told like they should or even worldwide you might not know about him you throw that down and say this is inspired by this man not only do you hear about me flipping a car for 143 days straight and gut check yourself about what you might be able to do you hear about terry fox now so some people might think what can i do for these people and and now well not only that so um not only do people hopefully donate towards charities and start helping out Mm -hmm. But the Terry Fox's marathon was called the Marathon of Hope. And if you're battling anything, whatever it is, not everybody's got a plane in their life 
like when I was pulling planes for charity or flipping cars, but everybody's got a plane in their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Not literally, but figuratively. You got something that's big, something that's daunting, and it, it, you're, you're afraid. Mm-hmm. When you see somebody every day hit the pavement and start running a marathon every day, or walk up to a car, flip a car every day, you start drawing inspiration from it. Yeah. And um, that also is big. And then attaching it to a name like Terry Fox means you, if you haven't, if you live on the other side of the world and you didn't know about Terry Fox and you're 22, so this is long before your time, and you had nothing, you didn't know, now you know. Yeah. And you start drawing inspiration. Even if you're not associated with any charities you're not giving, you'll take something from that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I've been doing, um, and that's right around the corner, and I'm just a stitch nervous. You've been helping me prep the car. You're going to help me prep the car after this, too. God bless you. I can't tell you how many people have stepped up to help this. Like, honestly, um, from the car itself, the engine is out uh, and the glass is out and the seats are out. So it was 2,800 pounds, and now it's 1,000, um, like 500, 600, whatever. So it's like 1,000 pounds less. Um, it's still heavy. Hey, it's... <laughs> um, so it's still nervous when you got to do it, but a thousand pounds, thank God. Yeah, yeah. take it off. A thousand pounds can make all the difference with 143 days in a row. And you don't lift the whole 1,600 every time. You Because it's like a tire flip, you take half of it on at a time. Yeah. So that's why it's possible as well. It's manageable. <laughs> it, it makes it a little easier to wrap your head around. But um, in doing so, the people who, who supplied the car, gutted the car, Canadian Auto Records, here we do for free take this and and they put hours into taking all those things out of the car and doing this for me then the welding shop um in guelph with uh brad kratzer and mitch kratzer hooked it up and and put handles on it and put like all actually customize it because i need handles here i need this there so i can actually flip it get a hold of it so because cars they're smooth at the bottom you know and it took a full day let me do this all for free bring it to the welding shop the tow truck guy when we tow i called a tow to get it from the welding shop to the farm that I'm gonna keep it at for right now. The guy shows up and um, I'm like, hey man, I mean this is, how much is this gonna run me? And he's looking at the car like, why the fuck are there handles on the side of this thing? (laughs) And where's the glass and the seats? Like what is going on with this? And I told him what's going on and he was like, my friend, uh, it's free. Like what do you mean? Like he's, no, it's free. I'll I'll, I'll drop it off. And then I told him, I'm telling him, yeah, so I'm going to rent, I was asking, I'm like, so I'm probably going to rent a U-Haul truck and a, and a vehicle dolly to move it from the farm in Guelph to Toronto, which is about 90 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, I was like, do you think that'll work? Like, would I be able to do that? And he's like, yeah, you don't got to do that. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, no, I'll do that. It's like, like, that's 90 yeah. minute drive. We're going to be there three hours and then 90 minutes back. And he's like, yeah, I'll do, I'm going to do that. Things like this will bring in the best in people. Dude, it's... Bring out the best, sorry. I didn't know this dude (laughs) from a hole in the wall. I never met him before in my life. I'm like, I can't ask you. This is our long weekend. That's your day off. You had no... I don't know what you got planned. This is a week before. A week before your long weekend, you're going to cancel everything. No paid, nothing. Tow this vehicle and give me like five hours of your day. Drop of a dime like that. And he's like, it's for charity. It's te- like, you know, you hear words like Terry Fox when you learn about it in school and you like, guys, like a god to us. People just be like, nah, this is, this is the least I could do. I don't got money. I can't give you money. I don't have a lot of money. I could, but I can give you my time. And it's like, oh, holy yeah. shit. Sorry, and then thanks. talking to you, I need help that day. I need help prepping the vehicle. And same thing. You're like, 
I'm in. Well, yeah. We're good. Especially for a cause like that. So many different charities that the money is going towards. It's uh, whatever charity you like. Yeah, it, when, you, when you put the stickers on the vehicle and you're seeing some of them, like, like yeah. it's everything from Humane, Humane Society for Dogs to bullying to cancer research to whatever the hell. Shelters yeah. for battered kids, women, what, like it's everything. You're like putting those stickers on the vehicle. You almost get you like you can't. You get a little oh man. You can help a lot of people right now. Makes you realize what's out there too. You see a lot of these big name charities, and there's a lot of smaller charities as well that and, had no clue. And you don't. And and knowing like these are some people that are going to be helped. Like like it's uh, yeah man. It's good. It's positive. Um, so uh, yeah man. I'm, I'm a little inspired by like how many people just step up out of nowhere and just be like I'm I'm I'll raise my hand. I'll, I'll help you out. Yeah. You never know. Like I this. I, I truly believe people are more likely to help you than hurt you. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? Um, With our, our guest coming up, too, uh, she'll definitely be able to inspire some people. Yeah. Are you trying to segue, sir? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, you, don't you ever step on my toes and take my job <laughs> like that ever again. Don't, hey, don't, don't you ever fucking get cocky like that again and take my segue, sir. This can be hosted by Robbie. Okay. Well, listen. Week. Hey, man. <laughs> don't. You son of a bitch. Okay. Paul doesn't show up one day and you're like, oh, I got you. All right. Okay. Settle it. You, you're going to start plugging sponsors that you have too, man? You got some side deals? You're like, and listen, also, let me say something. Gatorade is such a good product. I, can I have a minute to talk about Gatorade? I figured that this is my chance to go from third string now that Randy and Paul are that, here. That's right. Now, bump myself up a little. That's right. Now you're already trying to flex some skills on me. Randy and Paul are going to hear this like, uh, Randy's like, I never got a fucking segue. I did that for two for a year. Paul's been doing it a year. Never got a segue into the guest. That was always six packs roll. Um, but before we do, and yes, we will segue into her. Before, real quick, I just want to tell that one story about you told me before. You, you showed me a picture. You went to an all-you-can-eat buffet and made a total, total ass of yourself. Oh, yeah. That's what I usually do. You, nothing new. You, you, very first plate, and you, you smash some plates for a small guy, for a little guy. I mean, yeah. little, you're around buck 90? Uh, yeah, probably around there, especially that since I've been taking a break from lifting yeah. recently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what happened on your first plate, sir? Very first plate. So I went to a Chinese food buffet. Then first plate, I pile it up nice and high. Of course. Because you can't pace yourself, goddammit. You have as many plates as you want, Robbie. You're like a kid in a candy store. You're like, this first plate's got to be killer. I find the key thing, especially as a weightlifter, is you want to eat as much as you can at a buffet. You want to get those calories in and all the protein. Before, before you feel tired. Like, you, oh, yeah. your body doesn't feel full until 20 minutes, yeah. so you try, it's like a race, how much food you can get in your fat face before 20 <laughs> minutes is up. Isn't that Pretty right, much. buddy? Yeah, until your brain figures out how much food you actually have in you. You make me sick, buddy. <laughs> you make me sick. So you piled up this plate, so it's three feet tall, yeah. and people oh, yeah. are shaking their heads at you, <laughs> like, relax, buddy. It's a, it's a $12 buffet. I'll, <laughs> I'll pay for half if you're trying to get your money's worth. And you're balancing... A three-foot-tall plate to your tier table with your girlfriend, who's probably refusing to walk with you. Oh yeah. And what happens? Walked away. She went over to the sushi bar. I'm sure she sat. She sat beside some other family (laughs) and started eating with them. And and as you're negotiating this trip to the table, what happened, Robbie? So I went to go get one of those spare ribs, and I picked the biggest rib there. And as you probably know, the ribs, as they get bigger, they're a lot more curved. So I tried to pile this thing on, and. uh, 
Like, when you try to get strategic, when you pile it on, were you trying to strategically? You're like, listen, the guy, the guy, the guy at the rib station probably saw you coming too. Okay. He's like, oh, look at this asshole. What's this guy doing? Yeah. He's got he's got three feet of mashed potatoes and he's coming over to my station. And you're like, give me the most curved rib you got because I got to balance this on my mashed potatoes. Yeah. And he's like, son, just come back. You're like, hey, 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 I didn't pay twelve dollars for you to tell me for you to tell me how to stack my plate. Yeah. Put, hey, 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 rib boy, put the fucking rib on my mashed potatoes yeah. and keep your mouth shut. Well, all you got to do is you got to stack them like Jenga. The okay. perfect thing is it's that they're nice to stack. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> so you had you thought you had a strategy going. Yeah. And you got a nice, big, fat, juicy rib on the top like a yeah. cherry on top. Oh, yeah. And what happened when you were walking back to your table? So as soon as I turned away, I just... Uh, feel something hit my leg and I hear <laughs> this noise and something hitting the floor. And the rib guy is probably laughing his ass off. And here's the yeah. thing. He showed me a picture and the thing didn't just hit your leg though, bro. That you're somewhat minute. That yeah. shit hit your chest, rolled and this was a, this must have been one saucy rib. Because it looked yeah. like what kind of sauce? It was brown too. It was not a good viewing. It hit your chest around nipple level, rolled down your whole damn shirt, yeah. smoked your leg, yeah. like splatter, all the way down your damn <laughs> leg. You haven't had a single bite, and you're going to go up for four more plates, yeah. and you oh, look yeah. like you got in a food fight. Because you wore this, the, the, the juiciest, most saucy rib, and you were like, and, and you said you were like, yeah, fuck it. Oh, yeah. I'm just, you just, you just <laughs> unshamelessly like, you know what, I can't, you didn't even clean yourself up, because I seen the picture. Yeah. You were like, I'm just going to keep walking up there. And you said what? You said, you said, I'm never going to see these people again anyways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what you told me. You told me. Yeah, that, is, that is the epitome of when you come to that realization, you're like, yeah, fuck it. The gloves are off. I don't care how I look anymore. Yeah. All right, I I'm gonna... figured I didn't have like a reputation to keep it all. I was like, okay, this is me anyways. <laughs> what? You're like, look, at my, my girlfriend's already at a different table. Yeah. Uh, I'll never see these people again. Dude, you look ridiculous how much sauce you had all over your body. And you kept walking around, you loading your plates. People would be like, take it yeah. easy, bro. I picked what? up the rib and everything. Put Did it back you? My plate. Oh, I didn't geez. want to just leave it there. Well, that's good. But then it gets awkward. Like, you got to walk by like, I'm not going to eat it. Hey, I'm not no, I'm not eating this. You <laughs> feel the need to let yeah. everybody know. So yeah. I'm not going to eat this. Yeah. I'm gonna, but you did eat it. It's the problem. It's, it's, it's the real end of that story. You did yeah. eat it. And it was delicious. If well, was anywhere else, like, well, you had to pay for the rib. Sure, sure. <laughs> Maybe we would have scraped off the dust. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but you got your money's worth, and you got a hell of a story, and we appreciate that, and Robbie. The funny uh, thing was is that I uh, sent the picture to my mom after. I said, look what I did, and I just shamelessly sent the picture to everyone. And uh, my mom was actually scared because it looked like something like, like maybe I got attacked by something. <laughs> Your mom was like, "Dude, like, look, look!" So there's a good indication. Anybody listening, how bad the picture was? That's not, uh, that's not far off, man. Yeah. When I saw the picture and you said, "Take a look at this," I'm like, "What am I looking at, Robbie?" Because you look like you literally. What is all over you? Did you? Like, I thought uh, I'm not joking. I thought it was like a car accident, or you ran and there was an animal that got hit and you got blood all over you, or something. Yeah. It was all over you, man. It's the really fact you're walking around this restaurant like this because at a buffet you got to keep getting up and walking oh, yeah. past everyone else's table and waiting in line. So you were, like, you couldn't even hide it. Like, yeah. you're forced to shame yourself and live with that shame. You had to. I paid that $12. Of course you did, sir. <laughs> of course you did. I had to get my money's worth. Oh, Jesus. after one plate. Pace yourself, people. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's some more of the story. Don't be like Robbie. And now, 
Let's, <laughs> now, Robbie, we segue. Yeah. Okay. okay? Yeah. Now let's have this young lady. No, uh, I'm going to get the proper, I don't want to butcher her name. I'm going to get her on and get the proper pronunciation from her uh, because it's going to be a French accent and my French has gone awful. But uh, it's going to be a good, listen, it's going to be a good podcast. She's got a phenomenal story. Um, trust me on this one. I'm excited about it. It's going to be inspirational. And uh, she said she's a little nervous coming on. She had an uh, interpreter booked. She also, and I'll let her tell why, uh, social interactions can be difficult for her. And um, she, it, can, it can be high anxiety. And it's going to be difficult. I said, don't worry. This isn't, we don't do interviews on this podcast. I hate question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, talking. I don't do that shit. I do free-flowing conversation. Let's let it go however it goes. That's how all the podcasts I listen to go, like Joe Rogan and The Fighter and Kid and those guys. And that's how I like to run it. She's like, okay, okay. And then her interpreter bailed. And she's like, oh, God. And I'm like, don't worry. I got you. We're good. It's not my first rodeo. I'll guide you. We'll be all right. And um, so she's coming on, and I'm excited for it, and I'm glad she's hanging in there, and she's going to do this, because her story is a good one. You know, it's a good one. So with no further ado, let's give her a ring. So we have, we have Priscilla Bavois. Is that right? Yeah. Sort of? Close? <laughs> See, I was just saying, I'm, I'm an IPF World Championship commentator, and uh, names are tough for me. Uh, but you know, in Canada, we have like Quebec is all French. They speak French in Can in Quebec. Yeah, in Quebec. And um, we do. Uh, I took French immersion in school, but I like I had to drop out of it. That's how bad I was. <laughs> so so it's it's tough. It was I was a French immersion dropout. It was tough. <laughs> but um, you were saying to say the names, you speak from the nose. Yes. Bavois. Yeah. And is, Robbie was telling me before we came on, uh, Canadian French in Quebec and French from France is different. Do you, yeah, it, it's not the same accent. And they have words we don't have in French. Is there, um, I don't know the name. <laughs> yeah. Like, they have French and English together. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of places do that. That's like with English. Like, um... On the IPF media team, most of them are from England or Scotland. And when I'm coming from North America and I use like words that we use like slang, they don't know what they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the same in Canadian with Earth with Quebec. Yeah. They have some words I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. That's what uh and Robbie was so if you're from Canada and you think you know French and you go to France People look at you like what? Keska? <laughs> they're like they're like Keska, yeah. Keska, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they have a huge accent, a big accent. Yeah, they yeah. Don't understand, and they speak very, very fast. Yeah. So you you live in Paris? Yes, I live in Paris. Have you been in Paris your whole life? Yes. <laughs> so I've never been to Paris, and you um, have to come. <laughs> yeah, everybody says you have it's. To visit. It's like one of the most beautiful cities in the world, right? I don't know if it's the most beautiful city. I prefer London, but really, <laughs> but it's a great city. <laughs> yeah, because um, I think it's like always in the top five in the world. Like yeah. the romanticized view of Paris. I've never been to France. I've been to uh, different places in Europe. Been to Belarus. 
been to mixed Belarus. Never been to France though in my life. It's um, not the same Belarus. And yeah, it's, a, it's a whole another ball game. In in France, do people speaking like if I didn't speak French, would I be okay? Sorry. If if I didn't speak French and I went to France, would I be okay? So, so. <laughs> French people don't speak English, are very bad English, so. <laughs> really? And how are they, how are they with people who speak English? Like, do they, are they? They are, they are happy to try to speak English. <laughs> they won't try to speak English? Yeah, they will try to speak English okay. with you. Okay, cool. As long as, maybe if I just bring somebody who can speak French, I'll be all right. Because there, <laughs> there are some people, even in Quebec, because um, they, Canada, the English side of Canada um, was colonized by England, and then obviously Quebec by France, and they have, in the English side of Canada, we, we identify as Canadians, and we don't really identify with England and, and the Queen, we don't really care, that's, that's old, but in Quebec, um, they still identify as French, and have like, French flags, Quebec flags, and they're, so it's, it's a little different. So if you speak English and go into certain parts where they only speak French, there could be problems. Like they don't, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's different like that. Yeah, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> they, they don't care. Some, some, <laughs> some grudges stay forever, you know, but uh, uh, I was going to, so I remember finding out about you. I'm just going to make sure we're recording. Okay, good. <laughs> Make sure we make sure we're actually recording this conversation. Yeah, that's right. Um, I remember before you had competed. I think your coach is was it your coach who took a picture with us? Yes, Panayotis Baranandis. Okay. <laughs> Even me, it's difficult to pronounce. So I'm, I'm glad <laughs> you said Greek. Okay. He lives in France, but he's okay. from Greek. Okay, his family. I thought so. I didn't think his name looked French, but I was like, man, my French must be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not French. <laughs> so I remember him telling me, because um, we did a podcast going into the world championships, and um, we were talking about who to watch out for, and uh, he, he pulled me aside before anybody started lifting and said, you, you guys didn't mention some of these Europeans, and you're going to be surprised. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll see, you know? And he's like, trust me. He's like, I, I, listen, to the po- I listen to the podcast. I love it. But you guys didn't, didn't really show a lot of love to some of these Europeans, and you'll be shocked. And mm-hmm. it, it was so watching your weight class, 63 kilo women, um, when you hit the platform and broke that squat world record, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. It did see that coming. <laughs> And um, immediately I seen the France on your chest. And I was like, this is one of those girls. And, and did you, and then obviously for anyone listening, after that squat world record, um, you got a bronze medal overall. And it was uh, Carla Guerra, Sam Calhoun, and yourself on the podium. And that's like, I mean, that's the top of the world. That's 63 kilos, is one of the best weight classes in the world. Did you know going into the world championships were you hoping to be up there with those girls? Mm, I dream of it, but I didn't think it could be possible. Really? I, 
I don't even realize. It's like when you tell me I'm third of the world in my category, I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's great, it's cool, but it, it doesn't very change my life. I don't know. Yeah. I just want to go to gym and have fun and be stronger. And if I have results, I'm happy. And if I don't have results, I will be, I, I will, I'm going to work harder and that's all. Yeah. So I don't, I don't realize. I think I don't know. It, <laughs> when it, I say that, everybody tells me a lot of people want to be like you, want to be at your place, and me, I'm like, why? <laughs> I don't understand. They have to work, and that's all. <laughs> yeah, it all. It might even help so you don't feel pressure if you like, because some people put a lot of pressure on themselves. Um. I put pressure on myself to be better than me, than myself, but not to be better than someone else. Hmm. So I have pressure for myself. I want to to go gym and um, and be strong, but for myself, not to beat someone or beat other girls. Yeah, and that's you know. So I I read books about like sports psychology, right? And they said. Um, the best way to take out anxiety and performance anxiety is focus on things that you can control. If you can't control it, yeah. don't worry about it because you can't do anything about it. Yes, I'm agree. Yeah, I'm very, very ugly, uh, agree because um, I did a mistake at Europeans and I didn't was myself. I was like, I have to beat other girls. I have to beat other girls. And I'm not like this in in my life, but it was my first championship, my international championship. So I say maybe I have to switch my mind and it it was it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and at worst I was I was my me. I was me. I was in my I don't know the name. Yeah. Uh, Just in you stayed in your own focus on yourself. Yes, I was focused on myself and I think if I have a podium, I will be happy. If I don't have, I know uh, I did the best yeah. to do it. Too. Yeah, and, and it, it takes pressure off when you do that. So, because there is, um, you you have coaches, like the French Canadian, or it's French Canadian, French coaching <laughs> staff. Look at me, I'm trying to claim you. I'm trying to claim you now. Like you won us medals now, right? Um, but, uh, so the coaches, they can watch the other people and they can see, okay, they squatted this, they benched that, we need to deadlift this, and they can move you up the ranks. And you can kind of like let them focus on that. You just do your job. Some people, some yeah. lifters. Uh, I didn't know um, which bar it was when I, I went to the platform. I didn't know. Uh, I, I think it will be this, but I was not sure. I uh, said, you, you just have to pull and that's all. Yeah. How, <laughs> how much, so did you know when you went for that world record, did you know that was a world record that you were about to squat? Um, I, I did, and I, I knew it because um, before, um, yesterday, the, the day yeah, before, before yeah. the meet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a discussion, uh, yeah, discussion. We, discussion with, my, uh, with French coach, and they told, um, I told them, I'm capable of this because I did this at uh, gym, but I'm not sure if I, it will be possible 
the day because I don't know if I will be great and so on. Yeah. But I say at gym, I already did 190 and I knew the world record was 184. Yeah. And But I knew Carola Gara could have the world record on squat. So I say maybe I will have it. Maybe not, I don't know. Yeah. And when I see I was the last one to pass, um, and if I pass it, Carol Agard uh, uh, already did his third attempt. Yeah. So I knew if I pass, I would have the world record, but I didn't know it was 188 yeah, so you're, <laughs> on the bar. <laughs> you were like, don't tell me, I'll just go out there. But when you saw all the girls were done, you're like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I guess I know what that means <laughs> right? like here we go here goes nothing um and do you have your phone down here Robbie yeah. can you do uh we're just gonna convert from kilos to pounds for the North Americans 188 sir do you know how many pounds that is no I don't know okay you guys don't do pounds at all right <laughs> no we don't okay 414 pounds, holy moly, for a 63 kilo uh, lifter. I mean, this is, so I've been doing powerlifting for 12 years and commentating for the last four, and the type of weights you guys are lifting now is crazy. Um, 414 pounds is freaking huge. Uh, <laughs> I don't realize, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how, so, so to, to, I want to tell your, your life story because it's phenomenal. And um, just quickly, in terms of what, what got my attention, so that immediately I was like, oh, crap. Um, yeah, that guy was right. I was definitely not uh, paying attention to the Europeans. Yeah, because we laugh a lot in gym. We, you did a podcast and yeah. you did um, uh, statistics. Yeah. Who would be on the podium? Yeah. And you didn't mention me. I know. And my my I coach know. was, oh no, it's not possible. No. It's not possible. I know. I know. I, I, I told you. This. So it was very funny. Yeah. I know. And because him, he, he very believed in me and he knew I, I would be on the podium. Yeah. And so. It's like you will you will show him yeah, <laughs> you can you be did. on the podium. Hey, you definitely <laughs> did. And he told me, he's like, watch, pay attention, I'm telling you. I was like, as soon as squats were done, I was like, okay, this is this is different. <laughs> this is gonna be different. Um, when squats were done, it was two Europeans passing the world record back and forth and we're in one and two. And then um, that's when everybody kind of thought, oh, like going into this, a lot of people thought Sam Calhoun was a heavy favorite. And then, um, and she's really good. But yeah, well, she's a very good lifter. Very good. I, I know her since I started. I was like, oh my gosh, she's fucking strong. Yeah. <laughs> and what? I didn't realize that one day I could compete with her. What, what it, for me, it's very, whoa. <laughs> yeah, like when, when you were backstage and it's the world championships and the crowd's out there, the IPF stream is on. So that was on the Olympic channel. There was millions of people watching on the Olympic Channel, I'm told. The ratings were big. And um, you see people back there like Sam Calhoun and, and all the different nations. What Did you get nervous when you're walking around being like, oh, my God, it's about to happen? Uh, I was not nervous. I was uh, 
just me, just happy. Yeah. <laughs> just happy and with my music, I was singing and walking around. <laughs> but I was not so stressed, just focused. What music do you listen to before you lift? Oh my God. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a good question. What is Everybody go to laugh at me. <laughs> is it Celine Dion? Don't tell me Celine Dion. Uh, I listen Celine Dion. <laughs> oh, I knew it. It's Celine Dion. Oh my God. How did I know? I, li- I like uh, um, very slow music, very, very <laughs> calm music. And I'm, I love Celine Dion. I'm always... Uh, listening at Celine Dion at gym. When I go to PR, I listen to Celine Dion. <laughs> oh my God! How did I know that, Robbie? Is um Celine Dion's French Canadian, isn't she? I think so. Or did I make that up? She's Quebec from Quebec. Quebec. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's from Quebec. So there we go. We we came full circle. That's what. We're <laughs> See what I did there? I came. See, I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. Um, so does the Celine Dion in between? Because I know when I live sometimes. I get a little excited before the big ones, like not the opener, but for a third attempt, stuff like that. But in between my attempts, I got to stay calm or else you, you too much energy and you get tired. Is yeah. that why? Uh, I try. I'm always calm. I don't get excited. Even if it's my last pull, um, I go to shout, shout out, like yeah. screaming, yeah. screaming, uh, just before the platform. Yeah. But... I'm calm. Uh, if I get very excited, um, uh, I will be very tired after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, because a lot of people don't realize. So especially when they're new to powerlifting, when they watch, they see people shouting and get amped up as they come on the platform. And that's all they see. And they think that's how you have to be. But if you try to keep that up, for, yeah, for all the hours, time you are too tired. Way too tired. And I see it when I go backstage, like Kimberly Walford, she comes on the platform like screaming and looks angry. You see her backstage in the warm-up room, she's calm. She's cool. You know, yeah. you got to know when to use it. Yeah. Even for um, like sometimes openers, you stay calm because you only have, especially if you're nervous, you use more energy than you think. You know, yeah, that. and when you are ner- nervous, you can make mistakes you don't do uh, usually. So yeah. Keep calm. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you forget technique and cues. Yeah, and, and, it can and you are not focused on what you have to do because your energy is in other side, in other way, yeah. other place. Yeah, so. yeah. And um, so after you had finished with a bronze, and then I knew, all right, I definitely dropped the ball there, and I seen the podium. I I talked to uh, your coach. We we took some pictures in the hallway in a and at the uh, bank IPF banquet, and then um, we started talking. I I found out a bit about your story, and then you were telling me some of your story, and I was like, my God, I have to have you on the podcast. Um, it's it's a it's an inspirational story for anybody who doesn't know. And um, it makes, like, what you did was was obviously breaking a world record, gold medal in squats, bronze medal overall was amazing, especially in 63 kilo, because there's so many lifters in 63 kilo. Like, the average woman is around 63 kilo. So there's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of lifters that you have to beat to get to the top. Um, but when I heard your story, it's so inspirational. I was like, this story's got to be told. So... Um, <laughs> 
I was like, let's let's book it. So if you don't mind, okay. if you don't mind, so <laughs> let's talk about um, basically what you told me. We could bring it back to the beginning. Okay. Um, I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Let me let me let me be your guide. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So I'll be your Sherpa. Uh, I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we'll do. So when you were young, um, and you were growing up, you said yeah. uh, at by three years old you would already learn to read. Yes, I I read to learn. Uh, I learned to read at three years old, and I started school at four years old. Mm-hmm. I had my A degree at sixteen, and uh, now I'm a teacher at school for little kids. So you were growing up, you you were way ahead of everybody else in school. Um, three years old. I had for anyone who has a nephew, niece, or, or a kid that's three, that's very young to start reading. A lot of these kids are, you know, nowhere near along that. So you learn very, very quickly. But then you... Turn, yes, I, re- I learn very fast. Very fast. And then, but you said, um, you also noticed that you were different than other kids in other ways too. Yes. Um, when I was kids. Um, my teacher and my parents realized I was very different. I don't have a correct social behavior with other kids. I was uh, uh, always alone, reading on um, reading alone, and um, people, well, medical staff, uh, thinks it was only because I was um, high. I don't know the name. Uh, precocious. Precocious. Yeah. Precocious, and they say it's it's normal. It's normal. It will pass. It will pass when she will be um, older, higher, yeah. older. Yeah. When she will be older, but when I get like um, twenty years old, I realize it doesn't pass away, and yeah. something are wrong with me. Um, I couldn't have friends. I couldn't go out, um, like doing shopping, it's very difficult for me, or uh, go party, I can't go party, I, di- I, I couldn't go party now, I can't because I work a lot, but um, before I couldn't, and when I came back home, I was always crying, why I'm like this, I don't understand why I can't go out, outside, why I can't have friends, and it was very hard. <laughs> Because I knew I was different, but I didn't know what I have. Yeah, and you, so you, it was it just, um, like, socially, or, but it was it also, I think you were saying, it's difficult for you to, like, read social cues? Like, you can't, is it difficult for you to tell, uh, like, when you're in a conversation, or what, what was the yes, it? Yes, when I, when I speak with people, um, uh, I don't communicate easily. For example, if you ask me a question, I answer, and that's all. If you tell me hi, I say hi, and that's all. <laughs> so it's very complicated because I I'm not used to it's not it's not uh, normal for me to do it. Now I'm learning to do it, but 
it's not uh, I don't know the name in it's in not the, normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was difficult. It wasn't um uh intuitive. It's not natural. You have to try. It's not natural. It's yeah. what uh, the name I was looking for. Right. It's not natural for me to speak with people to interact. Yeah. So at 20 years old, um, so you were an adult, and uh, so you said you didn't have friends, and you 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 were worried. Like, does this mean you you're saying uh, like, will it always be this way? Will I always am I yes. gonna, am I going to have what other people have? Will I meet a guy? Will he accept me? Will I have like you know everything that everybody else has, right? And you were worried about that. Yes, a lot. And it was. To the point, like how how bad was it when you were when you were contemplating this? Um, I'm not sure to understand the question. Uh, like, how difficult in your mind? Because you said powerlifting saved your life. Uh, yes, it saved my life because I commit a lot of suicide. Suicide attempts. Yeah, suicide attempts. Um, and I just wanted to die because yeah. I think like if I can't be happy in life, why I'm here? Yeah. And when I found powerlifting, it saved my life because since I start, I didn't commit suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to live because I'm happy because I'm good on this and it permits me to have friends. Mm -hmm. And... Um... And your family, when you were younger, did they understand or did they know what was going on? Yes, and they knew they knew there was something wrong. I, um, I met a lot of uh, uh, medical staff when I was young, uh, psychiatrics and so on. And they say, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> because in France, um, people don't know about autism. They think... Medical staff think autism like people don't speak, they can't speak, they don't read, they can't work. And but there, there are different uh, autism. Yeah. But medical staff in France are not very um, no, good on it. Yeah. It, there's um there's like a spectrum, and there's yeah yeah, and um so because so they didn't think that you had autism. And nobody, so your, no, fam they didn't. your family just thought you were acting abnormal. They didn't realize and they didn't know how to help you. Yes, they didn't know how to help me. So how did you find out that, that you had autism? Um, when I was at school uh, for being a teacher, um, a teacher tell uh, like... A young people, a younger child, precocious child, it's it's a form of autism, and I was like, what? <laughs> and I make a lot of research on it, and um, it was me when I when I, I was reading about autism. I say, but it's me, and I was not sure because it's like when you have a stomach ache, a sto stomach stomach yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. ear when you are ear. You can have uh, just uh, to rest and take some pills, or you have to, or you have a cancer, cancer, yeah. cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
I say maybe me I think it's that, but maybe I'm wrong. So I make I make all the tests in France with medical staff uh, in autism, and they say yes, you are Asperger. And, and uh, when you found that out, was it was it like your feelings relief or was it disappointment when you first found out? I was. At first, I was very angry that people didn't see it before because it would change my life uh, earlier. After uh, I was relieved, relief, yeah, and after depressed. Oh, <laughs> yes, because I say, "Oh, I'm not normal," and I, I all my life I knew I was not normal, but now I I see what it is. I was like, "Oh my God." It's, it's true. I'm not normal. I'm not like anyone. So I feel very depressed. Like two months, I couldn't go work just in my bed and didn't want to move, didn't want to go gym, nothing. And after I say, okay, I'm autist. Now I know. And I have to go to go and be happy and be me. And that's all. But I have a, a long time very not good yeah. <laughs> very depressed yeah when it, i knew it it's kind of like um wh- when you it always was right like you are what you are it is what it is at least now that you know you're like okay now i know it, it's not it's not new it didn't just happen to me i just finally yeah. know now so now that yeah. you, now that you did know and you found out how did things change for you like mentally and did you start learning now? Okay, I understand. Can you start changing things, how you approach things? And Yes, I change a lot in my life. Uh, try. Um, I work on my communication with people. On my, I think it's OCD. Uh, when you are, um, like, I'm always clapping in my hand. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I try to not have this. This In French, it's... Talk. I don't know the name in English. I think it's OCD, obvious, co- uh, yeah, compulsive I, behavior. Compulsive right. behavior. Yeah. I try to don't have it in public. Uh, I can have it with my friends in my family because they know it. But in public, if I clap my hand when I'm happy, people <laughs> looking at me very real, like why she's clapping his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I learned that it's not normal to do this in public, so I try to not do it. But when I'm with my friends and and my family, I do it because I they don't care now. <laughs> and I I have a lot of rituals before. Now I try to don't have it. And um, if something happened, it was not prepared. I try I try to. Uh, to deal with it. Before I didn't deal, I'm like, oh no, it was not written, I didn't have to do it, so no, and I was like, oh my God, what I have to do, what I have to do, and now I try, okay, it did, you didn't prepare it, it, but you have to do, keep calm, and you do it, and that's yeah. all. But before I couldn't, uh, emotional, I was very, um, it was very hard to control my emotion. Uh, and I, I'm working on it. it it's so so. Um, if your day is planned and something doesn't go as planned, that would 
really mess you up. It'd be very difficult. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. But I try to to figure out, not not to figure out, to to work on it and and say it's not the end of the world. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go to to die. It's okay. Everything. It's okay. But before it was very. I'm going to cry and and to to shut out a lot and I was very violent when uh, uh, something like this happened because um, uh, everything has to be in order and if it's not in order it's like it uh, everything it doesn't go great in my head yeah it creates like yeah that's when anxiety happens and Gotcha. So when you when you found out, and um, so now you're starting to work on things, and this was around 20 years old. At 21, you found powerlifting. Uh, I started powerlifting four years ago. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm 25 now. And, and how did you find powerlifting? It was uh, my first coach. Uh, at first, without it, I was uh, I had. Uh, um, eat disorder when you eat a lot I was eating a lot a lot a lot lot of sugar and I was a little bit fat and I wanted to lose weight and um, I, I was looking at uh, bikini oh, <laughs> and he told me you will never be a bikini <laughs> who told you that? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah he told me that but oh, you, you can you can coach, be strong. <laughs> your coach said that? <laughs> you should be like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know the French but... <laughs> I don't know the French for this, but it'd be uh Keska fuck. What <laughs> challenge accepted. Yes, because um, my morphology is not not skinny. I'm not skinny my morphology, so <laughs> tell me you can't be a bikini. <laughs> and but it told me that you can be strong. And there is competition that does exist, uh, pro lifting. I didn't know before, because first uh, I came, I came uh, at gym. Uh, I did ninety kilos on squats, but it was on parallel. It was not yeah. at the death. <laughs> and I did one hundred at deadlift, and so it uh, it told me you can do competition. I say why not. <laughs> And, and was he so? Did was he showing you how to do the the lifts properly, and also like writing your program for you for training? Yes. Okay. He coached me during uh, two or three years, and after after I changed. So two or three years in, um, how how far in powerlifting were you? Like how good were you at the start when you started competing? Uh, my first year, I was in junior. Um, I did, uh, I, I won at junior, uh, my first year, I did 135 kilos in squat. I did, uh, 80 on bench, uh, and, um, 160 on deadlifts. And when you say you won, did you win the French, uh, national? Yes, French national okay. Okay. in junior. Okay. And after I pass in open. Okay. And then how did you find your, your new coach? Uh, by Instagram. Ah, <laughs> by Instagram. And um, 
powerlifting in France is very small community. Everybody knows each other. So in Instagram, and I say, I ask him because he's one of my friends too. And so that's all. <laughs> and then has, has, cha- has like your training changed since you went with him? Yes. Yeah. He is using RTS uh, program. Yeah, where it's like based on RPE, like how you feel. Yes. Is and before it was not like this. He before was he just giving you numbers to do? Uh, no, it was squats, bench, deadlift, but not with the same. Uh, not with RTS was another form to train. And and how would how would previously, how did he pick the weight that you would lift? Did he just tell you, I want you to lift this weight in kilos or? No, the, uh, um, in my program or in yeah. the competition? In your program. Ah, in, your, in my program, he, say, he put me RPE, RPE yeah. and he put me like, I think it's between uh, uh, one, uh, between this and this. Yeah. And yeah. I choose, uh, I choose. Uh, if I do uh, between these two numbers yeah. uh, with my form, my day form, if I'm good, uh, more higher, and if I'm not good, I less. <laughs> and is it is so? Is it for yourself? Is it easier to be given numbers like a range from here to here, or is it easier if it's just RPE eight? You choose the weight. No, it's easier when I have uh, numbers the range. for me because um, I always un- underestimate me. Under uh, okay, like he told me you have uh, you are capable of uh, one night in squats. I say, oh no, it's not possible. No, <laughs> <laughs> and if he doesn't put me one like uh, uh, you have to squat between one eighteen and one ninety. I wouldn't do it alone. I wouldn't do it if, if it was not written. <laughs> you are like the opposite of everybody I coach because everybody always does way too much. And I'm like, hey, man, that's way too heavy. That's an RP8, that's RP10. Like, what is going on here? Sometimes you have a lifter where you're like, you could, you could go more, you're good. But um, usually people go too, too heavy. So, no, I don't go too heavy. <laughs> you like it, yeah, certain ways. And did um, in terms of your technique, has that changed a lot? Like your squat technique, your bench press setup. Yes, it changed a lot. He he give he gave me he gave me a lot of tips um, to to set up to do my lift and so on. So it's a very great coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, and he's pretty proud of you guys too. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and when you were into powerlifting, was there a lifter, like when you first started getting into it, did you start like watching on YouTube or Instagram lifters? Or? Yes. Uh, I start uh, in my bed watching at uh, international competition, world, world competition. Um, I saw um, Maria at, I don't know. The Marie, the... Marie, Marie T from Canada. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I saw um, Kimberly Watford, yeah. uh, Carol Agara, um, Jennifer Thompson. Yeah. Um, 
Jennifer Mikalan, Milikan. Yeah, Milikan, yeah, from Milikan. US. That's right. Uh, yeah, so. And when you seen them, were you like, wow, like you, I want to be like them? Yes. I, my first dream was to compete one day on World Championship. Yeah. And see them. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, <laughs> they are so strong. When you got to Sweden in Helsingborg, was that your first world championship? Yes, it was my first. And when you saw those girls walking around, were you like, oh, this is <laughs> Yes, it? I was a little bit impressed. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it was, uh, the competition was on Wednesday, and Monday and Tuesday, I saw some some. Girls, I know them by Instagram, very famous. And I was saying to my friend, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I was very emotional. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, like, so I've been doing it, like competing and, and commentating for a while. But I was saying, like, every time I show up at a world championships, it doesn't get old. Like, it... it never loses that feeling you know what i mean like um yeah. like you know when you hear like a this is gonna sound really cheesy or corny but you know you hear like a love song and the guy's singing to like his wife who's like 70 and he's like to me you're still you're still 25 or whatever like the first day i met you <laughs> for powerlifting for powerlifting for me i swear to god that's how i feel when i show up it doesn't get old it doesn't matter i've been competing for 12 years and when I step on the platform, like I still get those butterflies in the stomach, like like you're excited and nervous at the same time, and you're like, oh shit, this it doesn't go away. And that's when you know, like, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I know what you mean where, um, when you walk around the venue, when you first get to the venue, every World Championships, it doesn't matter. When I get to that venue for the first time, and you're at the arena, you feel that in the stomach. Oh shit! And then you see like. Like Kimberly Walford, Ray Williams, or like, you know, yeah. these people. And these are people you'll talk to, like on the podcast or whatever, and you've seen them before. It doesn't matter. Like you know, like it's about to happen. It's different at the worlds, right? It's it's a it's something unique. And then like, I mean, I hope I never lose it. Maybe when I don't feel that way anymore, I probably should stop commentating. But <laughs> but when like when people say like yeah you sound so excited the whole time like i try to describe to them if ever you have the opportunity to go to a world championship i don't care if you're going to come in 15th or you're not 100 percent. go like go yeah it, it, I, I regret today i didn't go um international championship before because uh, after my first year i did um french federation asked me to do European Championship, and I refused. Um, I refused because I was afraid with my autism. I didn't know how I will react in front of everybody, mm. in front of a competition. And I was so afraid, so I refused. And now I regret because I say, maybe it could happen great. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, it's done. So It is what it is. Um, yeah. Did you, do, what, what did you? What were you afraid might happen? You, you, how you react? Like, would it, sh would it shock you, or, or what do you think? No, I was afraid to do um, 
uh, a crisis in front of everyone because where there when um, it's too much, uh, too much uh, nose, too much people, yeah. um, too much light. Um, I can do a crisis like. Uh, like this because it's too much for me yeah. and I didn't want to to cry and 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 with my hands in my uh, in my ears and so I didn't want people to see me like that yeah. so I was very afraid to a crisis in front of everyone yeah and because people don't w- wouldn't understand and they w- I I was afraid they judge me like she's crazy so that's why but now I can control this so i'm not afraid anymore to go international competition but before i it i think it was not possible for me yeah i was too afraid uh, i was not afraid to do the competition i was afraid to do a crisis and don't um uh can't go with my with my autism it's um so when you say crisis you mean anxiety attack it's like anxiety you feel and it's, is that what it is? Like the feeling of anxiety? I don't understand um, the word. It's, uh, anxiety, it's... Um, what's the, racing. Yeah, your heart's racing. And I think it is anxiety where you can't... So Yeah, it's like anguish. Yeah, yes. Anguish. Yeah. And um, so for people who don't have never felt like an anxiety attack... Um, and some people can get anxiety attacks, like for whatever reason, right before you're about to talk to a thousand people, do public speaking or whatever. It's like, it's, it's irrational. You don't know why, but it's like you're being held underwater. You can't breathe. You can't make it stop. And it's very, very scary and it's out of control and it's, uh, you can't regain yourself and you can't calm it down. And it's, it's difficult. It's a loss of control. Basically. Yes, because um, when I have too much stimuli, yeah, around of me, I can do a crisis and I have a, to control it because it's too much for my my brain. My yeah. brain can't have too much information at the same time, or it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. when I um, when there is too much stimuli in, around me, it's my my brain doesn't work. It's like it is off. Yeah, it's off, and I'm like, okay. And I can't speak. I I, I don't hear you. Uh, yeah, oh, I don't yeah. see anything. So yeah, it's hard. And, and do you have ways now to help you deal with it so that doesn't happen? Because it didn't happen at Worlds, and you did amazing. Uh, I don't understand. Do you, do you, um, yeah, yeah, no worries. So now what do you do so you don't have a crisis? Are there things Um, you do? um, I have to rest a lot. I have to rest a lot because um, a day for me, it's very hard. Um, I have to be concentrated in everything. Uh, For example, I have to concentrate myself when I speak with someone to understand him, uh, I have to answer this. No, this is not correctly social, so I don't have to say it, and so on and so on. So it's very t- uh, terrible for me. Yeah, exhausting. Exhausting yeah. for me. And so I have to rest a lot. And 
and that's all. <laughs> and when uh, to don't have a crisis, I uh, I learned to breathe, to breathe. Uh, yeah, breathing to keep calm. Yeah, it's it's amazing how breathing affects people's ability to stay calm. They say that yeah, like a lot. when it's when you feel anxiety in that crisis coming for for anybody, and you start getting nervous, they say start focusing on your breath and slow it down, then your heart slows, and then everything starts slowing. Sometimes you just, you have to try to listen to someone counting backwards. 10, 9, or sorry, excuse me. Yeah. 10, 9. Hey, may I have yeah, French immersion? That's great. Hey, I had a couple. I, I, I walk too. Walking? Uh, when I am going to, when I, I feel I have go crisis, I walk a lot. Yeah. I walk and I count one, two, three, four, and I breathe. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. keep calm. Yeah, that's uh, because I start trembling. Yeah. And so it's not good when I start trembling. So I Bring try to keep calm. And when you when you're in a situation where where you don't have a lot of control, like going to Helsingborg. Um, you have to make weight. You're in a new. You're in a hotel. It's not your house. Uh, you know the food is whatever's there. The like the schedule is their schedule. Does it make it more difficult because you're not on your own routine at home and it's yeah. not new? Because I need a lot of repair. Yeah. And um, to be great, uh, landmark, landmark. Um, and when I don't have it, it's difficult, but I try to adapt myself. And um, it was easier at Elzimbur because I was with my friends, yeah. uh, with Noemi Alabert and Panayotis. So it makes the thing easier because if I'm afraid uh, of something, uh, I, ah, for example, uh, I wanted a photo f with you, but I was afraid because I say what I have to do, what I have to say. <laughs> and so uh, Pana came with me to help me and say, oh, she wants a, a photo with you. But it's not the, the good way because like this, I don't speak. Uh, I'm, I, th um, I think uh, Pana or Noemi go to do it for me. <laughs> yeah. But... It's great and not great. It's great because I'm not in my landmark. I'm not in my country. Don't it's, yeah. I'm not in my house. Don't it's more difficult for me. But when I'm in France, I try to do it without uh, anybody. But when I'm abroad, I say, well, they are here. So if I'm not good, they will do it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I don't go to speak to people easily. In, in, um... For example, if I'm in a supermarket and I'm looking for something, I prefer looking for the things like one hour to speak with the, the people who work there and tell them, where is it? Because I don't go to speak to them and say, I don't know them, I don't speak. Yeah. But I, I try to change my mind. Yeah, you, you, you take yourself outside of where you're comfortable and force yeah. yourself yeah and that's where it that's like for a lot of people though um 
if, if you just only do things that you're comfortable with, you never grow as a person, right? Yeah. Growth comes outside of where you're comfortable as many times as possible. And then you start realizing it's not that bad. It was okay. It was all right. <laughs> you know? It was okay. But what uh, it's comfortable for the people is not comfortable for me. Yeah. Like say hello to someone. Everybody say it's easy to yeah. say hello. For me, it's not easy to say hello. Yeah. And I have a problem with my eyes. I don't look on the eyes, people. It's very difficult for me. I'm always looking down or um, this way, but not in front. And I'm trying to, when someone speaks to me, to look at them. But it's very, very difficult for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so w when we were talking and I, you were going to come on the podcast... Yeah, you were saying it's, it could be tough. I hope, I hope you know, I'm, I'm shy. I hope I don't come off weird. <laughs> but you're not coming off shy or weird at all. Like, this is a good <laughs> podcast. You, you're, like, very easily talking and everything. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, uh, so, yeah. So but before, before, um, uh, in the, this morning, I say, oh, no, I don't, I don't go to do it. I will, I will annulate. I will tell him I can't. And I say, no, I have to do it. I have, even, even I have to. You were going to have a friend help um, in case for translation because you said. Yeah, hey. he couldn't come. And that's, um, and you still did it. You're still yeah. here anyways. Because if you have a friend, no matter what, it's easier. Yes, it yeah. will be easier because he would speak. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I wouldn't speak. Oh, I would speak in, in French. So it's easier for me to, to speak. Because it's my it's my language, and, and you would also you would have. But look, I'm I'm with my hands hey, all the time. Man, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also doing the same thing. Don't worry about that. Um, and also, if you had a friend who is translating, he's like a like a barrier or buffer, anyways. Like he could fill in blanks, and but without him. You know, and it's just you. It's different. But you came yeah. in. You came in anyways. And, like, I'm glad you did. Because if you didn't and you only spoke French and he spoke all the English, people wouldn't be able to hear your story directly from you like you are now. And I think anyone who listens to this podcast, all your friends and family, when they listen to it, will be like, oh, damn, you did it. You speak very well. Like, this is, you speak very, very well. I'm glad your friend didn't show up. They got a chance. Um, it's funny how you were saying when you were younger, you were more worried about it. Like getting, as you get a little older, it's getting easier, like to a lesser extent. But I think for everybody, the older you get, um, it's easier to not worry as much what other people think sometimes. It's obviously way different for yourself. You know, it's like, way, but sometimes I remember when I was younger, when I was like early 20s, um, I would walk into a room and I'm trying to be a certain way so I seem cool and people like me. And I wonder, do these people like me? Am I cool right now? Do I seem cool right now? You know, like I was thinking that. I was like, all my interactions with somebody, you know how you were like, you analyze in a conversation, instead of me paying attention to what the person's saying and just talking, I would be wondering, am I coming across like cool am i coming across a certain way mm. and as i get older um i don't worry about that 
and I'm more just paying attention. And if they think it's cool, if they like mm. me, cool. And if they don't, I, I that's understand okay. what you say. Yeah. Because mm, before I, I didn't want to be cool. I, I just wanted to have friends before, yeah. but I didn't know how to have friends. I didn't understand why you can get uh, with how you can get friends with someone. But I, I was thinking, if I don't have friends, it's because I'm not a good person. Uh. It was, um, I'm like, if nobody loves me, if nobody wants to be with me, it's, I'm a bad person. Mm. And I realized I'm not a bad person. I'm, I think I'm, I'm a good person. I try to be a good person. But I was thinking, I was thinking if I don't have friends, it's because I'm not, I'm a bad person. And I didn't understand why I, was, I could be a bad person. Um, so. Yeah, you know what? So this is, whenever somebody tells me, um, if ever someone says they don't like somebody else and I ask them why, if, if the reasons they give me is um, that per they don't like it because they think that person's annoying because they do certain things, I tell them, The only reason why you would ever think that you don't like somebody is if they're doing something malicious. They're doing something to try to harm you. That's different. But you have to have patience. If it's not that, then have patience with the person, right? It's not, yeah. like, if they're not being malicious, if they're not trying to hurt you, you got to have more patience. That's on you, not the other person. That's what I always yeah. try to tell people is like, show patience when you're talking to people. Show patience because you don't know. You don't know what's going on in the whole picture. Um, since you've done all this and you've like won these like broken world records, won bronze medals at the world championships and um, everything you've overcome, you know, it's, it's almost like what I explained to people. If you, um, if you go into a situation and you're not scared, there's no bravery. If you go into a situation and you're scared and you do it anyways, no matter how you feel, you say, I'm going to do it anyways for everyone watching. And then you do what you do. That's bravery. And that's courage. And that's inspiration. Uh, there's no courage, no bravery without being scared. Now that everyone's seen everything you did and everything you've overcome, have you gotten people who, like messages and like encouragement from people who've seen this and be like, because you did what you did, you know, I. Yes, I had a lot of message. <laughs> yeah. And what does it feel like when you get that? I don't realize. Yeah? <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know why, but I don't realize. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer them. I yeah. just say, thank you very much. I'm happy that you watch me. Yeah. Does it, yeah. Does it, how does it make you feel in terms of your feelings when you read that? Do you get feelings about it? Yes, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, makes you happy. Because I, like, yeah. honestly, um, like, I think as humans, like, I enjoy reading about athletes and hearing about athletes who, like, overcome things. And I take inspiration and motivation from it myself. Even, like, look at, I'm not a 63-kilo woman lifter, but when I hear your story, I'm like, shit. You know, when I'm scared, I, I would or if I feel nervous, I would tell myself, like, there are people who can pull themselves together. You know, like, pull yourself together. You could do this. Let's go get them. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's part of being human. You know, we take inspiration from people like that. You know, when you hear yeah. these stories. 
But uh, that's why it was, uh, it was as soon as I found out and you were telling me your story, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, that, this is big. This is a big, big. I think I don't realize. I don't know what to say when you tell me that. I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> thank no, you. It's, it's, I know because you just feel like you and you're like, oh, what's the big deal? That's just, you know, you might not even realize. I know it's a weird thing when it comes to that. Um, do you do you do stuff like, because um, you, you work, you're, you're a teacher with kids. Yeah. Do you speak to people about your experiences or um, is that something maybe in the future that you would think about where, look it, there might be other girls and guys, teenagers in high school, went through what I went through, feel like I feel, if you showed up and you told your story about all your experiences in high school, suicide, depression, uh, this will never happen for me, and then coming around breaking world records and having people all over the world watch you on the Olympic channel and all this. Have you ever thought like, if not now in the future about doing that, reaching out and talking to some kids who might be in the same position as you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Let you think about it. Cause even, um, even if you didn't go talk to them, which would be difficult doing stuff like podcasts like this help. You know, you don't know who's listening. Um, yes, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope if he can, he can help someone, I'm happy. But at first it was, I, I did it for me because I was fed up to, to hunt me and say, and I was fed up that people think I was weird. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to be myself. I say, uh, I can exist. I have the... Um, it's not because I'm autistic and different that I can't live in the same place as you. So it, at first it was for myself, but I didn't realize that maybe some people can, um, I don't know the name. Uh, ins uh, inspired. In yes, I didn't think that. Yeah. It's well for sure. I think yeah. I think you'll be surprised. I know what you mean though. Um, when you're going through it, you're just trying to go through it. This is your life, day to day. You're just trying to do the best you can, and you're just worried about yeah. yourself. And I, I just I just want to be the better myself, yeah. the, uh, the better way, way of myself. And when you when you put yourself in a situation that everyone's watching, like the IPF World Championships. That's when, um, when you put yourself out there, that's when people draw inspiration. If you just stay in your comfort zone, no one will ever know. But when you put yourself in that situation and all those people watching, that's when people find out and these stories come out. Like when I heard your story, I'm like, this story's got to be told. You know, I love, I love a good story. These podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, I do. These podcasts, I have people on that will talk about powerlifting like how to squat properly or how to make a program to make you stronger. But, and, and, that, and that's good. I like those podcasts, but I love a good story. You know, <laughs> like when, when I hear somebody's a lifter who's got a phenomenal background story, gotta have you more, gotta tell people because people gotta hear it. You know, people draw inspiration from other people for sure. Um, what, what is next for you when you look ahead is uh because you probably have you have the European Championships, yeah. nationals, 
Is it, so is your goal to come back? I think Minx Belarus is the world championships. Is that the goal for you? Uh, yes, I, I just want to be better than I did yeah. in this world championship. I hope I would I will do better, but I don't have goals because I think I will see the D-Day. Uh, I just have to work hard on gym and we will see the D-Day. If I have a podium, I will be happy. If I'm not, I will ha I will work harder, and that's all. <laughs> yeah. So you you don't put like um, I want to squat this number, like no, never, no, never do that because that's, never. does that set you up that if you don't hit that number, even if it's a good day, because you didn't hit that number, you won't see it like a good day. Yes, I think if I have goals, I have to do that, do that, do that, do that. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of pressure. And if you don't do it, but you do, you do a great job, but yeah. you don't do the goals, you won't be happy. You will be so-so. Yeah. Yes, I did great, but I didn't, want, I didn't do what I want. And you don't appreciate what you have. So it's why I don't want to have goals like this. I just want to be better. I just want to do the better I can. Yeah. The D day, and that's all. And I, if I can have a middle, I will be happy. And if I don't have, I will, I will do better next time. It's a, uh, it's funny. I think a lot of lifters get like romantically attached to numbers, where they say like. Um, like whatever number they've been telling themselves they want to squat, the whole I'm, preparation. I'm not attached at anything. Yeah. <laughs> that's like when I, I add my medals, I put it on my suitcase yeah. and I gave it to my father. He's more, he's more happy to have it than me. <laughs> do you, is that with you in general? Like, do you not get attached to items in general? No, I don't get attached to to materials yeah yeah that's you know. and it, it's funny because for example when someone someone at gym asked me hey you did a competition how it was i say it was great <laughs> <laughs> you go you yeah did i yeah did i it was great and if you don't ask ask me what did you do huh? i don't go to to speak about it <laughs> is that is that because you're like you feel shy about it, or is that because you just are like, ah, it's not a big deal? I think it's not a big deal. Really? <laughs> wow, that's humble. I, I I don't know if yeah. the correct way to think, but it's the way I am. So. It's not a bad way. I, it's not a bad like. So for you, like things like like um, because I'm not like things like fashion and stuff like that. You're like whatever. I don't care about stuff like that. <laughs> See, I, you know what? I'm, I am the same way, but uh, I also think the older you get, you don't care as much about shit like that either. But I, I know what you mean. Where it's probably good to like not get too attached to items. I don't know if it's good, but the way I am, and I don't want to change. And I'm, I'm afraid because I saw a lot of people when they become um, in sports when they have medals and so on. They had like the things that are king of the world, and it's not because I broke a world record as the the hairs stop rounding. So 
Yeah. It's okay. I make it work weaker than what? It's okay. Next time someone can 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 get it. So Yeah. Things change quick. Yeah, you stay yes. you're still you. Right? Yes. That, that yes. I, I don't want to to be another people because I win this or I win this. No, I just want to be me. Mm-hmm. And that's all. Yeah. It's it's good because also if you put too much on breaking world records and that's part of your identity yeah someone else takes a record or you don't do as well all of a sudden you're setting yourself up to be like oh who am i now am i not as good now yeah. no you're, you're still you you're still a good person it doesn't change you and i think when you are too confident it's not good you have to be confident in yourself but too much it's not good because i think in this world championship people were sure to win, they were so confident, they un- underestimate their uh, concurrent, yeah. and they are disappointed. Yeah. So you have to be confident, but not. I think it's not good to have too much confident. You got to stay hungry and uh, and be aware, because people, I notice, because I I have seen so many so much powerlifting live right there, people surprise you all the time. You don't got to, hey, you, you don't got to tell me. I didn't see you coming, <laughs> right, right? I learned the hard way. You got to tell me uh, for sure. Well, listen, we had you on for an hour, 10 minutes. Uh, man, this, this flew by. This was easy conversation. I'm glad you came on. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have you back again in the future around, like, you know, whatever the next competitions are. But before we let you go, uh, two things. If somebody wants to follow you on social media, how do they follow? How do they find you? Uh, Leah Powerlift in Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. And, yes. And um, is there anybody you'd like to thank while we have you on here? To what? <laughs> uh, anybody that you would like to say thank you to? Like your coaches? Ah, thank you. Uh, all my friends, my parents, my family. <laughs> yeah. And my coach. There you go. Well, listen, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. Um, it's an amazing story, and we'll keep in touch. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was good. Dude, it was... Uh, oh, it's done, man. So, <laughs> yeah, we still, yeah, we still run it. Uh, no, that, I mean, so I was telling you when you were coming over, you're like, who who we interviewing? And I was like, uh, I told you her background story and said, like, this is... This really is, I, I, I mean it when I say, I like having people on talk about programming, talk about, you know, aspects of squatting, deadlift, how to improve, because it's good. You know, it's good for improvement, and I get it. Talk about, like, the technical aspects. But we do, like, one to two to three shows a week sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, there's only so many times I want to hear about how to set up on a fucking squat. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, really, you do triples. Yeah. Okay, and how often do you do your triples? Oh, three yeah. times a week you squat triple. Okay, like, or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, this it, definitely seems a little bit different. Like, this is talking about a different kind of challenge. Like, this a is, whole, whole nother, it makes you reevaluate, doesn't yeah. it? Those internal battles that she had. And it makes, like, it makes you think, because um, like I said, I had no idea at the time. Uh, a, I had no idea how good she was, and and her coach is telling me like, you know, man, you didn't you didn't even mention her name when you talk about what's gonna be on the podium, and I was and I just didn't know. So a, people creep up on you like that. B, 
um, yeah, like I remember being in the hallway and her coach saying, hey, can she get a picture with you? And yeah, yeah, sure. But I didn't realize, like you don't know with the internal battles, even with social situations, anything. Yeah. Like you, you really don't. You know, you don't know people like that. So that's why I'm, I, uh, you know, it's, it's good to bring people on, have them say their stories. And hey, when you haven't even noticed that her being on stage and hitting that world record and getting that medal, you wouldn't know that she had autism and all, she had the, all these rituals. And yeah, you, you have no idea. All the battles she went to get there, to get there on the world stage is difficult, period. All the battles that she's gone through in her life to get that far. Fuck, man, it's humbling. It'll gut check you. When you think, I've had a lot of challenge, you know, this is, this is tough prep for me coming into worlds. It's like, man, you, you don't know. You don't know what some people have gone through. And she really had a deep meaning for powerlifting as well. To her, it wasn't about the medals or becoming the best, like she said. It was just becoming better. Yeah, like self-improvement. Yeah. That's like almost the most, like, pure of reasons. Like, not, like, I want to prove that I'm better than you in that guy. I want to prove that I'm better than, like, that's a, you know, when you, when you take it apart, take it that away and say, it doesn't matter if I'm better than you. You don't impact how good I am. How good you are doesn't make me worse. I don't need to feel threatened. It makes you not feel threatened by other people as well. You can appreciate and celebrate them because they don't make you shittier. We all know people who are, if you're at all insecure, and you start knocking other people down, it's usually not the other person. It's reflective of yourself. Yep. You're not comfortable with yourself. That person doesn't make you worse or better. Yep. You focus on you. Yep. It's a far more pure way of, of going at it. So when yep. she walks into the worlds, you know, it's you could be like a fangirl, fanboy, where like, holy shit, that's Ray Will. Holy shit, that's, you know, and yep. it's okay. Or even someone in your weight class, you could be like, oh, wow, I'm sharing the platform with these people. You don't feel threatened by it. Yep. You feel like, I'm going to do me. However it falls is however it falls. Whether or not they showed up or not, I'm still going to lift. Gravity's yeah. going to treat me the same, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and powerlifting with it, not being a team sport. You're just going to go and put, do your best and just put your best effort out there. Yeah, like it's, it's um, like at the Worlds, yeah, like, I mean, it's team in that you're gaining points for Team France or whatever, but not team in that, I think what you what okay. you're mean yeah. is you can't pass the ball to somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't be like, hey, like I'm gonna I'm a hit the court, pass the ball to Robbie, and he's gonna take it down and, and handle it. Like like, or if I'm feeling off, you know, you can't sit off for five minutes. There's no rotation. There's no. It's you. Yeah. You're gonna hit the platform alone, oh, yeah. and whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and that's where it's a team sport in that, like, yes, you're earning points for your country, but you perform solo. Yeah. You're in control. One hundred percent control. You take, you know, the victory's yours and the loss is yours or whatever in between. So oftentimes with powerlifting, it's how you view it, whether or not it's victory or loss. There, you could get a fucking bronze and be like, I should have got gold and that's a loss. Or you can take bronze and be like, I had a great day. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. all on how you yeah. take it. If it's a victory or not. Yeah. Uh, besides the world champion, everyone else can tell themselves they lost. If you view it like that. But like she, I like the way she approached it, saying, I don't set goals like that. I don't base my goal on, if I don't take this number, I, I, it's a loss. Or if I don't get this position, gold, silver, bronze, it's a loss. I just go on there saying, let's have a good day. Which I think that's really key, is really comparing yourself to where you were before. Yeah. Are you improving? And what's the problem? 
You're getting better every day. That's all you can ask for in life, period. You get better every day? And let me also say something real quick. One day out of two months, let's say you have a two-month prep, one day out of, out of 60 days is a shitty sample size. That's yeah. a shitty sample size. In any science, you would never say, um, has this gentleman gotten stronger? Yes uh, or no. Let me give you the one day, the last day to decide whether or not he's got stronger. No. That's a shitty sample size. I need at least 10 of those 60 to decide. Or let me see all of them. Some people do two months of prep and they clearly have gotten stronger and they're a better, stronger human being. And then they walk into the competition saying, none of that matters. It all depends on that day. Don't, hey, like, I know it's cliche to say, but the journey is also part of it. The journey is all of it. You got stronger. Things can go wrong on that day. Don't tell yourself all those two months is for nothing. No, my friend, you've grown. You've gotten better. You just had one day. One day doesn't vindicate or totally wipe away everything you've done for the last two, three months. That's not how it works. Don't put that pressure, that's pressure on yourself. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I try to tell people. It's a max test day and they're like, fuck it, here it comes down. It all comes down this day. Nah, man. You've been, you've been killing it. You've been working. You should be proud of all that even. Well, you never know what could happen, like you were saying. Man, people get people get sick. People get like things can happen to you outside of your control. We saw that especially in the last world. What's with, that? Uh, Ray Williams and oh yeah, that just passed. You never know. He yeah. got sick within the last th- he within the last twenty four hours leading into got like incredibly ill. Yeah. We're gonna have his coach on uh, next podcast, by the way, to get a little more background on it. But yeah, and the prep, the two months into it, he was yeah. killing it. He sh- he th- stronger. That still happened. He's still yeah. improving. Yeah. He didn't fall back. He's improving. He had one bad day. He fell back. How does he recover? That's oh, a bad day. Yeah. He, yeah. he didn't fall back three years worth of progress. No, nah, I mean, he's, he's ahead. Yeah. He's stronger than he's ever been. He yeah. had a shitty day. Yeah. Uh, that's going to happen. You know, um, a lot of times, like, I, I mean it when it comes to sports psychology. You know, we had Steffi Cohen on here before, and she talked about seeing a sports psychologist. Mark McQueen on here, he talked about seeing a sports psychologist. Your approach to things is very important. Yeah. Your your mental prep on it is almost as important as physical prep because when you go to there is a difference it fucking kills me when people talk about what does it matter if you did this in a local competition or the world championship gravity's gravity weight is weight what's the difference a world record should be able to be like people from different federations just recognize records whether it's at a local meet or a world championship and they don't see the difference there's a huge fucking difference (laughs) okay fly to the other side of the world When it's a bunch of people from all over the world converging into one spot, it's on a stream that is being watched all over the world, and it's showtime, international judging, the whole nine, deal with it. Don't tell me it's not the same. It's fucking different. Like she was saying, too, like the atmosphere and everything, the lights Bro, and the noise. Bro, hey, my friend, <laughs> like I'm t- I, 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 every time I go there, I still feel it. Yeah. If you don't feel it, it you don't, man, ah, yeah. it kills me. When people, what's the difference? Uh, if you did it at a local meet or you did it at the world level, it's different, man. If you don't, if you say that, it's because you ain't never been there. And how many times at world championships we've seen people do different numbers at lower level competitions? It's not the same when they get to the worlds. Why is that? Because there's so many variables. It's not just the judging strict, but feel what it's like when the pressure is on like that. Feel what it's like when you're out of your element, no one in the country speaking the same language. Go to places outside of your comfort zone where you can't even buy distilled water because it's written in Russian or Belarusian, and you're like, what the hell am I looking at? And it's just a whole nother, feel what it feels like. Do four or five different time zone changes by the time you get there. 
and everything's messed up, and you're like, I don't feel right. Just try all that shit, man. Try it, and then tell me what's the difference between doing it at a world stage and doing a local meet. It should all count the same. Even for your meals and everything, like people have their routines and, like she said, their rituals. It, you know, and for her, it's, it's way tougher. Yeah. But for everybody, it's it's like less difficult, but it still is. Yes, it will fuck you up when you get somewhere and you're like, you you recognize when you're out of your routine or not. You know, you recognize when you're like, I'm a little, I feel a little out of sorts. I don't feel comfortable. I'm in a hotel. No one speaks English around me. And people, are, it's, there's a communication barrier. I'm not eating the same. I'm not, everything's different. My sleeping's off and, I, and I'm nervous. And there's people in my hotel. I just shared a room or shared an elevator with six people and they're all spe- speaking different languages. Right. And holy shit, they're, they're walked uh, Brett Gibbs. Holy shit, I saw, you know, Jezza in the lobby. And now you're like, whoa, I'm feeling a little nervous. And then you get to the arena and there's the whole IPF media team. And if you haven't seen it in real life, the amount of cameras, they're for real TV crew. The amount of cameras they have on you it is daunting it's not just one camera or two camera angles they cut between like most streams it's a full-on the, the setup it was with the platform you feel like what the fuck is this this is a press conference in the lights they they're, they're full media kit like the full lighting so many different camera angles and in the live comment it's like tv and you tell me it doesn't rattle you there's no way man i never get over it whenever i see it i'm like holy shit this is big you said that it was broadcast on the olympic channel on the olympic channel people who weren't even into powerlifting were watching and the numbers we got were phenomenal uh they were so usually the olympic channel will tweet once that day saying hey make sure you watch downhill skiing like these olympic uh sports that don't get a lot of viewing in between olympics so make sure you watch downhill skiing three o'clock today enjoy that's like a tweet they would give. Powerlifting came on. The numbers were so over the top. They were tweeting all throughout the day, constantly. And that thing, the Olympic Channel never does that. The feedback we got were like, you guys are killing it. This is amazing. Powerlifting's amazing. Like, yeah. not, like not just the IPM media. I mean, like, you guys as in all the lifters, like as a whole, the sport, you guys are killing it. We love it. When can we get more, please? We want more. Yeah. The content, the viewership was nuts. People who just leave sports, like sports fanatics, who love that kind of Olympic-style sport, just leave, like, the Olympic Channel on, oh, what's on today? saw powerlifting and we're like holy crap that's actually way more exciting than i thought it would be it's not just people squatting watching people squatting is boring watching people lift weights is boring wow there's strategy involved in this wow there's like you know in terms of attempt selection and like yeah man and and then when you have 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 people like leo on here talk about their story that's why i love this is like now you actually get an emotional attachment towards these lifters and you have favorite lifters now you're pulling for them you, you want them to do well. When you're just watching, you don't know who the people are. It's hard to have an emotional attachment. When you hear their stories, and you're like, fuck, man, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind these people. Like I, We all have favorite lifters now. I think a lot of people don't even expect how much weight there's going to be. Well, someone like her, she's in 63 kilos, and she's squatting over 400 pounds. Yeah, so man. Yeah, man. turns it's, on their TV. You're like, yeah, exactly. You might be like, yeah, they're strong. So the women's 63 are on. If you don't follow power, you have no idea. Well, they're strong, but how strong are they? Bro, <laughs> fucking strong. <Yeah. laughs> right? Like, it is just a few years ago. Like, what the human body can do at this point, I mean, just a few years ago, these numbers were almost unthinkable for, like, all these weight classes. What the... I mean, if I could go on all day, but what's happening right now in like 83s, 93s, 74s, in terms of like the, and, and, and that's, you know, 63s, 72s, what, you, you name the weight class. The weight being shifted right now by these people, a few years, like the sport of powerlifting is, 
it's it's nuts. The 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 progress is staggering, exponential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think people might think they have an idea of what's strong based off of what they see close to them in gyms and stuff. They're like, all right, well, I, yeah, I know strong people. I've seen people at the gym. Nah, you don't know. <laughs> nah, you have no fucking clue. Tune yeah. in. Yeah. Tune in and you'll be like, what? Especially all these Europeans and these people that you don't see as often unless you know about them. And here's another thing. That's why I want to try to get as many European guests on here, do a preview show for the European Championships, recap show for the European Championships. A lot of people, they might not have the same um, Instagram following and uh, as some of the North Americans and Americans, but uh, they, de- they deserve the exposure. Their caliber of lifting is right up there, yeah. neck and neck. And their stories and, and everything deserve to be told and just phenomenal. And um, I think this world championship, a lot of us got shocked and rattled and surprised. Look, uh, from Nauru, the, the, the heavyweight champion of powerlifting is from Nauru. 10,000 people. An island, 10,000 people. Oh, yeah, like That's the current them. heavyweight champion right yeah. now. You don't see them unless they're on this world stage. 100%. I'm so happy. I got to pull Jezza aside. Like 10 minutes after he won, I feel a little bad about it. But man, you will never get him on Skype. The Wi-Fi is crap. It doesn't speak good English. You will, this will never happen. I'm like, and I've been trying to. And I'm like, my man, I know you just won. This is the biggest day of your life in terms of powerlifting. Can I interview you? And he was like, let's go. You know, let's go. Let's, let's go into a side room. And, and we belted it off. And I'm glad people got to hear his story. And, oh, yeah. you know. You get people from all around the world, like these smaller countries and from, yeah. From Asia, Europe, uh, Australia. And, and because of a language barrier sometimes, and a distance barrier, etc., um, you don't get to know them. And you have no idea. They're just, the, like I said, you, for, to watch a sport, you need to be emotionally attached to them a little bit, know their story to cheer for them and care. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just watching someone lift weights. Um, and some of these individuals, and if there is a language barrier or there is like, you know, they're far away, etc., you don't get to hear this story, so you don't get to hear that emotion, you don't get to get that attachment. So there's people from Asia, et cetera, where you're like, yeah, right, yeah I kind of like them, but I'm hoping Taylor Atwood runs through this. Or, yeah, I kind of like it, but that's why I'm like, let me bring guys on here. You know, let me, let me bring guys, girls, whatever, on here. Tell your story and let them be like, oh, shit. You know, like, I really like this. But I, almost every time I have someone on here, I'm like, ah, oh, man, now I'm rooting for you. Now you're all in the same weight class. Now I know who I want to win. Right? <laughs> I want you all to win if possible. I don't yeah. want to be like the, that guy who can't pick. You're all in um, but yeah. So you got to follow the podcast and see. If that's, man, that is the number one. And that's a nice segue, Robbie. Thank you. But <laughs> straight up, honestly, man, I say it over and over, but you got to share this in your Instagram stories. Tell your friends. Give us high ratings when it comes to the reviews because these lifters deserve to have their story told. They deserve the exposure they're getting. Um, not just like Leah, who's got a phenomenal story. There's tons of Leahs out there. You know, not the exact same background story. What I mean is they got a story that you will attach to and deserve to be told. You will draw inspiration from. And this helps the sport. This is how we get ahead. We push each other forward. We all can share the shine. We all get a piece of the spotlight. This is how the story in the sport is going to move forward. So by all means, help us out. Tell everybody about it. Tell everybody about this young lady and um, in a... Keep listening to the podcast. Much appreciated. From Six Pack Lapidat. Robbie. <laughs> Robbie Little. <laughs> Peace.